Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm Augusto Pinaud. I'm Francis Wade. I'm Art Gelwicks. And we are back with an episode on a topic that is quite a bit in the news lately. And I thought that it would be really interesting for us all to have a discussion on the topic of remote work and really how to be productive in and when you are remote working. And so today we're going to talk about what remote work is, kind of defining it and and understanding some of the, the trends that are around remote work. What are the benefits and and disadvantages or the advantages and disadvantages of remote working? And then finally, I want us to talk about how to be most productive while working remotely because remote working does provide its own set of opportunities and challenges to being productive as an individual in the greater workforce. And so I thought it would be really uh, good for us to be able to kick the idea around and have a discussion around that. So let's start off with... What is remote work? How, how do you define remote work? Well, I can start you with my definition, and that's it requires a benchmark. And the benchmark is, is remote work requires you to have a designated location that you would normally work from and then not working in that location, being able to be as effective in some other place that is not predetermined. Now, the problem is, is that definition immediately falls apart. <laughs> as you start to think about what work remote work is nowadays but i believe when you if you were to ask someone who is an executive or a manager that's what they would consider the definition of remote work you have a desk you have an office you have some place that they expect you to be and this is the ability to work someplace else i'm going to read from remoteyear.com they they have a uh, an, a blog post that i'll link to in the in the show notes that says, what is remote work? And it says, remote work is a working style that allows professionals to work outside of a traditional office environment. So that pretty much aligns with what you were talking about, Art. Continuing, quoting, it is based on the concept that work does not need to be done in a specific place to be executed successfully. Think of it this way. Instead of commuting to an office each day to work from a designated desk, remote employees can execute their projects and surpass their goals wherever they please. People have the flexibility to design their days so that their professional and personal lives can be experienced to their fullest potential and coexist peacefully. End quote. So the idea here, at least as far as remote year is trying to explain it, is that remote work is this way of being able to reconcile the conflicts between your professional work and your personal life. Agree? Disagree? Thoughts there? See, this is go back. This goes back to where I fight with this definition because just the the phrase itself means that there is some place that you are expected to be when you are quote not remote. Well, okay, that's fine. But then you look at the second part. This is the type of work that does not require you to be in a specific location. So why is this defining an expectation that you would be in a specific location? So I think just this terminology starts to limit what we're talking about here. It braces that, oh, you're working remote, so you're not actually doing your normal work. This is something special. This isn't quite as good, as polished, as perfect as if you were not remote. And I think whether that's true or not, whether that's perception or not, I think that's one of the things that gets conveyed a lot with that. Yeah. And thankfully, I think today we see so many more people who really recognize remote work as a a, a, a hiring location. Like, you know, you'll see like you know, in, in a job description, it'll say, you know, location for wherever the job might be, you know, situated, and it'll just say remote. And so we're seeing more and more positions being hired directly for a remote position uh, for remote working. And so therefore, less and less people are being concerned about the fact that there may be a headquarters and 
you know, even even myself, you know, now thinking about hiring staff, we we are becoming a remote company. And I've always kind of been remote because I'm always on the road or and and I live a you know pretty far distance away from my primary headquarters for my company. So um, you know, the 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 idea of working remotely is very uh, natural to me, but at the same time, I've always had staff centrally located, and now to have them not do that has been a a, a real uh, to use I hate to use the word game changer, but it's been a it's been a a a market amount of of change for the company and how we normally work. It hasn't really been. Um, that much of a stretch for me working with them, but them working with each other. And now I have to think about the idea of hiring people, uh, you know, who out the gate will not have experienced uh, the same camaraderie with the staff. So there are, there are some implications there for in management and business ownership, thinking about how you design a company in the remote space, in the remote working space and and on the flip side. So I think we're kind of in, in a little bit of a transition space there. It, I, I'm reading here again, remote work has some statistics that were really interesting. And again, quote, it's predicted that by 2027, the majority of the US workforce will be working remotely. So we're just shy of 10 years before it's telling us that we're eight years or so, I guess, uh, before uh, the majority of the U.S. workforce will be re- working remotely. It says the number of those will, uh, the number of those with flexible working arrangements is also growing faster than the overall U.S. workforce at roughly three times the rate. More companies are hiring and realizing the benefits and potential that remote work can offer. End quote. So we're in a space and time where, or rather, space time when we are moving toward more and more of remote work. And I'm curious, do people really understand the definition of remote work against other terms that we've heard uh, kind of bandied around over the last 20 years, right? We have telework, we have flex work, and those are all different things. And I'm curious whether or not you think other people really know what remote work really means to them. Okay, I got to I got to make one thing real clear fast though. Every one of these terms conveys the message that this is a special type of work. This is a benefit to you as the worker that you are getting to do something um I'm going to use special again because I can't think of another word this morning, but it's just that this is a nice thing for you because you're, you know, our employee and you're working here. We're going to let you work remotely and that's a perk. Until it's changed until that mindset goes away, that this is any different than regular office work, that they are the exact same, I don't know that that 2027 number means squat, to be yeah, honest Yeah, and I with think you. we have to make sure that we uh, continue to keep pushing forward on the the notion that, yes, there are going to be those who are stuck in the in the past and who will continue to think of remote work as, as purely a a nice to have for their employees, but there are a lot of companies out there who are pushing toward being fully remote companies and those companies will start to prosper and money speaks. The higher productivity was is going to, that is the higher labor productivity is going to, to really um, reinforce the fact that remote work is a viable option for employers. And I don't you know, we'll talk about this in the in the kind of advantages and disadvantages of of, of remote working, but you know, I, I don't know what the outcome is of remote, remote work ultimately, but I think you're absolutely right. We have to continue to change the paradigm that this is not just a, a fringe benefit, that this is also a, a fundamental paradigm for, for working. And I think that's a, that's an important distinction to make. You know, as I see it currently, you know, we can pretty much group companies in three groups. Okay, we have the companies that from from the get-go has been designed as remote work, and there are many of them. I mean, from little small companies to really massive corporations, okay? WordPress being one of those examples, okay? Who is massive, but has been completely 
designed from the get-go to be a, a remote corporation. Then you have the opposite side of that extreme, the companies who have been traditionally based and they don't understand, okay, or they have tried to play this, but seem the remote work as a disadvantage. And then you have the companies that are towards the middle in different degrees who are trying to understand the advantages of that and, and how they can, in some instances, benefit from this these things. The problem, one of the big problems we have is on the remote work is if the company has brought traditionally, there is a hard time adopting anything new. And I agree with you, money will eventually talk and money is talking on many of these organizations showing that, oh, okay, really, it, there is a difference on production. There is a difference on engagement. There is a difference in you know, how long people stay. There is a difference in the quality of the people we can, you know, attract. But but I agree with Art completely. Right now, there is, in many companies, not a difference between a pool table and work remote. Work remote is not a perk. I disagree with that and I agree with Art. Work remote is simply another way you offer the work. There's, there is nothing that, you know, I work, I've been working on a phone and a laptop since 1997, I don't know, okay, 20 years now more. Okay. What difference does it make where, where I am, okay? And for some companies, you're still finding, oh, no, no, we are going to change you to this cubicle so you make the phone numbers and we can see that we have people in the office. And those companies, I think they are going to come to, or they are coming actually to, to a rude awakening. They are they are going to need to or adapt and understand what is this or play with a much smaller pool of talent. I'm not going to say, hey, there is talent who will never understand or will not want to work remotely. That's completely fine. But that pool of talent is getting smaller and smaller too. You know, you have a lot more constraints with, with those. So as technology is continue advancing and more importantly, some technologies are going mainstream. Okay, remote desktop things, share the desktops, and those kind of things are starting to get pretty mainstream. You know, when you can share, you know, when you think on the iPad, the iPad came out. When the iPad came out, there was, from the perspective of the people, it was a consumption device. We can argue right now if your laptop can substitute my iPad. Okay, and I can share the desktop in the same way you could do it from a laptop many, many years ago. But the important part of that is that is getting mainstream. That is getting to the common person. It's not anymore the geek guy who can figure it out how to share the desktop. That is coming to everybody's hand. And the more we see those, the more people is understanding, oh, then I don't need to be in the office. Oh, I will. I don't need to live in this city. I don't need to be here because of that job. And the more that noise it's getting to the hands of the people, the more these companies who has been trying to protect the non-remote work are are going to notice how small that pool of talent gets. There is always going to be companies who are only going to deal with inside. But I think the future, as, as you said, I don't know if it's 10 years, maybe faster than that. It is going to be more and more remote companies than not. There are some things within companies that require you to be physically present. If you're working in a call center, you're working on a help desk, things. And actually, I take that back because that's not the case for those. In a manufacturing, I agree with you. But in a call desk, in a, those kind of things don't matter. There's there's some there are some roles though that would require you to be in a location for a period of time, and if I thought about it, I could probably come up with four or five examples. But I don't think that's really the challenge of this remote work model. The challenge is the people who could, if allowed. Uh, just out of curiosity, I pulled up Dice.com did a survey back in February. Uh, talking about their annual salary survey. And they said that 73% of tech pros consider remote work an important perk, which going back to my point earlier, I have a problem with considering it a I perk. Agree. Um, but only 49% report having it as an option at all. 
It's a 24% gap between what people want to be able to do and what people are and what companies are offering. And you look at the the stats on this thing, and I'm going to say close to f- more than 50% of the organizations that were surveyed in this don't offer this as an option one day a week or less. And that just boggles my mind. What What is the benefit of not having this? Give me a valid reason why. And I have yet to get into a conversation with somebody who's able to say, well, you know, this is clearly why. Typically, the answers back are, well, if I can't see you, you're not working, which, you know, Henry Ford believed that way, but I don't know that necessarily that's kind of current in today's society. Well, there is still a lot of Henry Fords. Well, and 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 I don't and I don't just it's very true. But if you look at some of these things, the you know, they say, look, if I can't see what you're doing, you're not working. I can't tell that you've put in forty hours. Well, then let's back up a second. Who says my job takes 40 hours to do? Who says this particular execution or this work or these milestones that you want to accomplish take 40 hours to accomplish? They may only take me three hours in the right environment. Why would you not want to do that? But they, it's literally they can't think that way. They can't get past that because they don't know how to manage that way. They don't know how to handle that type of execution and delivery-based work rather than just punch in, punch out. And that's exactly where the problem is. We are still thinking on an hourly. doesn't matter if you are considered salary or you are considering an hourly employee. From the accounting perspective, the company considers you an hourly okay, mm-hmm. component, not a value component. And well, that doesn't change. Okay, we are going to continue seeing a struggle with this because we are looking, okay, this person is going home, how I know? Well, one, let me say from a person who understands IT and all of here understand IT, okay, that is ridiculous. Give me then a laptop and track every movement on my laptop. You can do that since the 90s, okay? I'm not talking about modern technology exactly, okay? If that's what you feel you need to do, okay? But number two, what you are saying is, okay, we are, contract, we are hiring people that we don't trust. Then why are you hiring the people in the first place? You, I think you hit it right on the head there. Either people you don't trust or you don't tr- – and they'd never admit to this. They don't trust their ability to manage effectively for people's skills. So when you look at things like this type of execution – and contractors are the ones that probably drive me bonkers with this the most. Contractors as professionals who can do their job and are paid to do it efficiently and quickly and then are told, look, you will be here 40 hours a week. Okay, but I kind of got this done by Tuesday. Well, you're still going to be here for 40 hours. Well, all you're doing is watering down the person's rate then at that point. It's the reason why so many people don't do straight contract anymore. They do freelance. Why? Because then it's project-based. It's milestone-based. It's not based on 22 hours of time. And that's where I think we, I know this is kind of getting off the track, but it is a key understanding to the benefit of working where you are. And until I come up with a better term for remote work, I'm going to use that one right now. The ability to get done what you need to get done where you are, when you have the opportunity, when it is best and most efficient and most effective. But you just hit the second nail on the head. You have people who is still managing this. I mean, when you mentioned Henry Ford and I laugh, okay, they are still managing this as if any kind of work, it's a production line. Okay. And yes, there is manufacturing work where you need the people to be in there. And I agree with you. There are certain kind of work that require to have a human being in there. Okay. But they are trying to manage a knowledge base and a service based environment as you are a production line. And the problem is most of the people can wrap around their head that this is not a production line. We're just using the same principles because it's the only principles we seem to to understand. So we are still stuck in the production manufacturing place trying to to do work that 
it's done in a completely different way. And the problem for these people, this is what gets even sadder, is most of these people who manage that way, when you mention the people who don't want to get the contracts and are going to go to the freelancing world, for most of these people, they will tell you that these freelancers don't work. That's not a job. What do you mean it's not a job? That's what they have. They have a company that do that. From their perspective, it's not even real. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. And here's where I get into the maturity model of this. And I've talked to clients and I've talked to other companies about this type of thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, we want to do this. And I say, you want to prove that you're ready to allow your people to work when and where they're most effective? Give them the option to work whenever and wherever they want just inside your building. Start with that. You got a building with six floors. Is it okay for someone to pick up their laptop? That's the first thing. Do you give them actually mobile devices so that they can work for various locations? Or do you have them cable locked to the desk? Can they work if they're on the sixth floor? Can they work in the you know the cafeteria for two hours out of that day if they want to? If you can't handle that where they're on your property, but they're not at, not at their desk, then you are as an organization, by no way, shape, or form ready to even remotely consider allowing people the freedom to work because you're just not mature enough yet. This is tangentially related to something that we've been kind of talking about. We, we bring up Henry Ford. You know, a hundred years ago, Henry Ford changed the, the face of our nation's economy and therefore the face, face of the world's economy. He He really, you know, we were in the midst of the industrial revolution and he decided to cut the workday basically in half he created the 8 hour workday by virtue of of his work and then doubled their pay so the worker got not only you know a 100% pay increase but they also then had half half the workday and now they had a, a leisure time like we had never seen before in history, at least in in the in modern history. And so here we are in in a in a, a future time now where we have the the highest abilities for greater productivity in the workforce. And uh, there are people out there like um, I, I give you the example of Stephen Arstall. He was um, um, he's, he always says that he's Mark Cuban's best Shark Tank investment. He started the company Tower Paddle Tower Paddle Boards, and he has been using a five-hour workday in his company for since its inception. In essence, he you know shaved off the additional three hours of the standard eight-hour workday for his employees, and they are doing very well as a company. And so there's this tangential piece here, which is that we are we are increasing productivity by virtue of greater efficiencies, greater knowledge and experience and better technology that's helping to facilitate it, humans having to do the bulk majority of uh, this work. It's not that humans aren't necessary. It's just that we're now helping and being facilitated by technology better and integrating that into the company better. And so therefore, one, we don't have to be in a physical location to do the bulk majority of that work. And at the same time, results should matter. And and I, we've, we, you've already said that art to a great extent, right? Results should matter, not time or, you know, but in chair time, right? And so once we can decouple those pieces and start to understand them better, I, I highly recommend. Arstall wrote a book called The Five-Hour Workday. And it's, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's a great book to really understand the changing face and nature of work. And remote, remote work, as well as flex work policies, are becoming a much more ingrained piece of that puzzle that it's, it's no longer a fringe benefit. It really is a part of how companies should manifest individuals. Looking at each person who comes to the company and say, says, okay, look at this role and look at this individual and how can we match it up so that they can be most productive? And if that means them not being physically here, then let's do that. Now, let's not let Henry Ford off the hook here because the reason <laughs> why he, the reason why he split the work day into two eight-hour eight segments and increased the pay was to create leisure time so that people could buy his cars. You bet. That was that was absolutely his intention. I fully agree. I fully agree. Now, that said, let's think about information workers. That doesn't work for information workers. 
A business can't rationalize that because there is no direct benefit to them from a bottom line profit model for their people to not be working. Because if they're not working, it, there's nothing that says they're going to go out and buy that company's stuff if what they're doing is handling data analysis for the government. Who, who knows? It doesn't, it doesn't cross-translate. So to them, the direct benefit of if you are working, we make money. If you are working, we make money. If you are not working, we will go get somebody else so that you are working and we make money. That's that's the hangup. That there is this kind of concept. Oh yeah, we get happier employees and things like that. It's early on a Monday. I'm grumpy. What it comes down to is when they don't want you to be an employee anymore, you're not. It doesn't. That benefit is nice while you're producing. So if you flip this concept around and say, okay, if I'm going to be at my maximum productivity, my maximum efficiency and effectiveness, the two things that we espouse so often, companies need to focus on everything possible to create those two situations. And they have to be willing to say, guess what? They may be most effective at home. They may be most effective in the cafeteria. And we're going to live with that fact. I just think we're still way early days in most organizations being mature enough to even really start to consider that. But you see, this is, you made an important distinction. I agree. Henry Ford did what he did so he could, so his people could afford his vehicles. I agree. And he was completely open about it. Okay. But at least it was to a certain extent meant as a two way street. I will give you eight hours. I will give you more salaries. You buy my cars. Okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. The problem that I see in many organizations is a one-way street. I'm not giving you remote. I'm not giving you the perks. I'm not giving you, but you need to give me the loyalty that I'm not going to give you. Because as you said, that loyalty is out of the window in many organizations. But then when the people say, you know what, I found a better opportunity, now you see these corporations offended as how dare these people is living. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. This is a two-way street. Okay, I have seen corporations, okay, where glad loyalty exists when there is a two-way street. The corporation is trying to take care of the employee to a certain extent, and therefore the, the employee responds in that same way. But I seen more than not the one-way street where oh, this is all about us, and we don't give you the benefit, and we are changing, and and if we our our legal department can find a way to even tie you to that desk for, you know, another twenty minutes, we will. That's where the problem comes. The problem with this remote thing is for many companies is I oh well, if I let you go, I don't control you. Well, there is no more control. You can try, but it's out of the window. Long time ago, by the way. No, you're right. Actually, the, just to just to piggyback on that point, I have a couple of friends who were convinced by their companies to become remote workers, and they would do anything to go back to being in the office because there is software you now that monitors your every move as a remote worker. And the minute you take your fingers off the keyboard and scratch your head, you get a, a, a note coming in, a notification that flashes on your screen that says you're not you're not being productive. And if you stay away for too long, 10 minutes, your manager gets notified. Stay away for half an hour. And you get a phone call from the office saying, well, what's going on? How come you're not working? And they would love to go back to being in the office. But of course, what the companies have done is convince them that remote working is all of that. They had them, you know, take, take, give them a laptop, give them this. They came and actually surveyed their offices to make sure that they were remote compatible put them in there with the software to, to monitor their keystrokes and monitor their, uh, I think they even have video monitoring, and then took away their office. So they don't have the option of going back. So even if they want to go back, which they do, they can't because the company has already given away the space and has cut the cost and is now downsizing. So there are, there are ways to that they're using now to limit remote workers' flexibility. And I think the, the problem is not remote or not remote. The problem is, the question is, what's the optimal allocation of space in 
for argument's sake? What's the what's the speed the worker needs to get the job done? And that's a harder question to answer. That's that's where I'm going to fight on this one too, because I'm looking at organizations that do this silly idea called hoteling, where they'll have entire rooms and and almost floors of buildings that are nothing but vacant desks. No one actually has a desk. You come in, you just take the nearest desk, and that's the one you work on, and then you leave. Well, great. That that totally assumes then that you do not have a home here. So if you want to take this idea of saying, we want you to be part of a culture, great. Then you need to be part of the culture. If we want you to be able to say, you can work from anywhere, fine. Then just assume they are not going to be directly connected. I worked from home out of a home office for four years completely disconnected. It took me a year and a half to finally meet my manager, put it that way. Uh, it is socially disconnecting. It can be isolating. Uh, depression can kick in after a while. But you also have all the benefits of, for example, my commute was from my office to the refrigerator. That was it. This type of software that you're mentioning, Francis, I mean, this is the kind of thing that Henry Ford would love because it makes sure that you're continuing to crank that widget. Now, there are some companies out there. Uh, my sister and or my wife's cousin works for a company whose both her and her husband work remotely all the time. And that ability has helped her deal with health issues that she never would have had the option if she was having to go into the office five days a week. So there are upsides and there are downsides, but I think we're all hitting around that this core point. People need to recognize that if a job, if the work you are doing does not physically have to be in, done in one spot, then failing to take advantage of that is a significant mistake. And I'm going to, to coming back to what you were sharing, the problem is, no, that's not remote working. That is, I remove you to the thing and now I put a slavery on top of you. That's what this is happening on the example you were sharing. Remote working, because there is no trust. If if my manager is getting a notification that I have not key, you know, something on my keyboard in 10 minutes, sorry, that's slavery. That's that's not even remote working anymore. That software, actually, if you don't do work, it pops up a flag. But if you do do work, it gives you a food pellet. <laughs> we can we can we can have this debate all day long because i think it's really a, a rich debate to have in in and around the space of where work is and it's why i wanted us to have this conversation and so that our listeners could understand that there is there's is a lot of complexity here and i and, and we all have to really take that to heart this to, kind of takes us to the next step uh, but I did want to re recommend to folks, there's a, a fantastic book called Remote Office Not Required, and it's written by the the founders and, and owners of Basecamp. Uh, they used to be 37 Signals, but Jason Fried and David Hanemeyer, um, Heinemeyer Hansen wrote the book. And so I, I highly recommend everybody pick up Remote uh, by Fried and Hansen and read that because it really helps you to understand how to really effectively understand how re remote work fits in the context of other kinds of typical work. And now, as Art noted, hoteling or office hoteling and the nature of hot desks and that whole world. But I think The 5-Hour Workday and Remote are both two really good books that that help kind of um, contextualize the the world of work today as it's changing. Remember, there are competing forces there are there is the business force, which is how do we increase revenues, decrease costs. There's the governmental issue, which is that they want to keep GDP high and they want to be able to have a full as high utilization rate for their population for being able to generate tax revenues, both from the corporation and from the individual, at least in the United States, where, where our tax system is like that. And and then there's the individual who just wants to have a good life. How do we navigate each of those pieces? And what I feel like is happening is it's, it's kind of like a, what people are talking past one another. Government and uh, industry are, are talking past one another. Individuals and companies are talking past one another and, and all of those permutations. We all need to really be having a synchronized conversation that we can get the same results and we can get better results by us all having a conversation 
bringing everybody to the table and not just thinking of employees as gears in the machine that drives uh, you know, production. There needs to be an understanding that humans are humans and not computers. We're just not computing and, and pushing out outputs. Uh, there is more to it than that. You know what? You're bringing this up, and, and I'm just going to jump in. What occurred to me, there is one group, well, there's multiple ones, but there's one that occurs to me right away who gets this. Talk to anyone who is either working in or has worked in a field sales organization. They understand this mechanic because they don't have an office. Most of the time, they're operating out of their cars. But even even in those cases, Art, you find the sales component of, especially as the organization grows, the sales part of the organization understand it. The other parts are completely, you know, unaware of that. I I work on organizations like that, and I remember fighting with accounting about the expenses, about approved expenses. I'm not talking about the, the ones that were not, that had issues, okay? Well, I don't understand why you need to go and do all this. Well, that's my job, okay? And there is a completely disconnection, especially, and, and this is something that we're going to see more and more towards those 10-year mark that we were talking early, as more parts or pieces of the organizations start leaving and go remotely, okay, one of the things we are going to start founding is, well, some of the parts that can't be remote are going to need to understand what is that job and what is why these people can work or not work from anywhere. Because that was an issue 10 years ago where going remotely, it was a problem, okay? I, I, I was because of my job working remote most of the time, but you could find, I or I remember coming back to the office and then needed to fight and argue with these people who never leave the office, who didn't understand why I have those perks, why I could expense a bunch of things, why I could, this is something that we are going to see more and more. And from both sides, from the people at the equal level and from the people who are above the your pay grade where they don't understand why you cannot do that job sitting on the desk. We've kind of been dancing around the topic of the benefits or the advantages and disadvantages of remote working by virtue of its context within the greater societal working culture. So what what are the, what's the good and the bad of remote work? I'm just no, yeah, so so um you know, you could start at the top, right, which is that if the if the corporate culture embraces remote work, the individual has greater capacity to have more uh, life and work balance uh, in the sense that they're able to, uh, you know, potentially have a, a shorter commute, which means if they're not commuting to work, that's another potential hour, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours for some people in the United States, where they can now use that time to, uh, you know, eat a proper breakfast, they can go to the gym, they can, they can, uh, you know, uh, spend more time with their family, there, there are all of these issues where that time can be recouped and used for health and personal uh, rejuvenative activities, so that they're able to have a more um, healthy lifestyle, and I think that's that's one major benefit I see of remote work is that if you live a, a good distance from your primary office location, you can you can now use that time more effectively, and that time can be used for your personal care. Building on that, I think you know in the last hundred years, okay, there has been a change on how people see that. Okay? People used to go work. And retire at 65. So people were okay holding their life outside of that work until they get 65. And when I get 65, I will do all these things that I'm dreamed to do. What we are seeing more and more is one, people is not retiring at 65 for many reasons. Okay. Second, there is a significant group that don't want to retire at 65. But third, there is a significant group that do not want to wait until 65 to start doing those things. And that is one of the things that are making them, instead of moving to the close area where that work will, will be, they want to come to have a more complete life. And 
that's one of the, the benefits that the remote working has from the employee as well as for the corporation is that the pool of opportunities increase. It's about what is the quality of the work and who is the best person who can do the work and not exactly where are you located or where you sit it. And I think that's a really magnificent thing uh, now that the technology allows to make such easy thing. It wasn't as easy, you know, 10 years ago. And I think that's a really, really important thing. Understand how big your pool is, but more importantly, how good for your own life it is. For me, the advantages are pretty straightforward. You have the opportunity to work at your most optimal times and location. Disadvantage, if it's a consistent thing where you're working remotely frequently, uh, you can often be disconnected from the machinations of your organization and almost isolated in many cases. So depending on the type of organization you're dealing with, you could wind up making a, clear, a career limiting move just by not being physically present in an office all the time. Uh, so that's a downside. But from the, to me, the upsides are so significant anymore. And we're going to see this continue, not because organizations wake up, but because technology has pushed the capability to be that much more powerful. We have bandwidth now we've never had before. We have the ability to connect in ways we've never had before. We can sit and we can run remote desktops and we can pull up everything on our phones and we have access to all of these things. There is no reason why we can't be somewhere unless A, we choose not to be there working, or B, we're told not to be there working. To, to go with the benefits, I'll give you just a practical example. Um, I have access to everything I need for my client on my phone. I spend the half hour before I take my commute on my phone going through and checking everything for the morning. It's basically my well check of what's going to be going on through the day. That means my commute is not spent worrying about what's going on for the day. I don't have to, to fuss with that, which means my commute can then be spent listening to an audiobook or a podcast or something else that either improves my personal life or improves me professionally. It's a more effective use of the time. I'll I'll take the I'll I'll try to elaborate a little bit on the on one of the disadvantages of remote work that was that was that Augusto kind of touched on and and I am I'm sensitive to the fact that I believe remote work is a is a uh, majority positive decision for for a business. Uh, I, I, there are just so many good benefits to remote working. But for the individual, while there is this huge lower stress, you know, increased uh, time, you know, you have greater leisure time, all these things, that, that all kinds of good reasons for it. One of the things that I really uh, understand is that the social structure, the social culture of, of, of an organization is so important. And accountability is built on having people around you and as a social worker not a, not an actual not the role but as a, a a worker who is social i am um i am fed by collaborative work and so and 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 that means that in a um you know, in any corporation, you know, there, there are politics involved, there, you know, sort of business politics that are going on. There's uh, corporate navigation in terms of looking for the right person to align, mentoring. All of those things happen in physical spaces today. And we don't yet have the technology. As great as video technology is, it's not like we're on video camera all day long, uh, unless you have a very creepy boss like Francis was talking about, who's video recording you all day to to make sure you're uh, doing what you're what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, but the idea here is that since we're we're not virtually in an office space all day long, the the nature of all of the kind of um, you know it's it's like um, what do you call it like. Um, unspoken benefits of connecting with people and um, and relating to them and building relationships. So we're social creatures and the more time we spend with people, the stronger our social bonds. And without those social bonds, then certain things 
don't happen. So for example, if I have a strong social bond with my manager because we see each other every day, we have lunch together, we have all of these kinds of interactions, when I make a mistake, I've earned that person's trust to know, no, they see me showing up, they see me working hard. And so a little mistake is not going to, to break the camel's back, so to speak, but by the manager. But if the manager does not see me every day, and all of a sudden I've made this mistake in the in the you know in the context of just a, a an amorphous being that outputs work then potentially that manager could say that's too big of a mistake we're we're terminating you and 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 it could not be as severe a mistake as say you know it could not be that severe of a mistake, but it could still be a big enough mistake that would cause the manager to uh, potentially impact a promotion, uh, terminate you, you know, whatever the various pen penalties are um, in your in your organization. So I could see the flip side to that, which is that there's a lack of socializing that is happening right now. And I'm hoping, what I'm my big hope is that as technology gets better, that there is a greater understanding of the fact that you do need more rich media experiences with your coworkers and with your management so that the experience is not isolating and alienating to certain people. And that can be very difficult. And I will I will add to that that there is and, and this is where the four of us may, you know, drop our IDs, because I think there is a mental difference on that socialization component from certain generations coming down. You know, the older you are the more you tend to struggle with this digital socialization and the younger you get, the more you are okay with that. You know, there are certain... Are you calling me old? <laughs> I did not call you... I distinctly... I, I think he called me old, but then again, my hearing's going, this so I don't know. This is not personal to anybody. You know, just check your date of birth, and if you are below certain year, then you can call yourself old. That's your decision. But it, but it's a, it is a reality. You know, I've seen for, for, for certain generations, the deep conversations can't happen via email or text. And the younger you get, that's where the deep conversations happen, even more than in person. Uh, I'm not saying it's a perfect solution, but I'm saying the more used the people is to this, you know, the simpler it is. You know, and I can pick my kids. You know, when, when we were kids, we had family who lived far. Okay, and those families were strangers for us. Okay, they they live 14 hours away. We see them five times a year, four times a year, and every time they come, they were the cousins who live far, and nobody knew them. Okay, and there were really no relationship with them. My kids have relationships with their cousins and their grandparents via FaceTime that for us was simply impossible. Okay, and when they see each other, okay, there is no difference. It is like it was for us with my cousins who live close. Okay, why? Because they interact every day or every other day via FaceTime, via the games, via the text, and they have it's a different relationship of how I understand it. Okay, but for them, it is a relationship. Okay, I see my kids, you know, when the grandparents come to visit. They are not strangers. My grandparents live thousands of miles away, okay? But they are not a stranger. His grandma is coming, and there is exciting. For us growing up, that was not the case, okay? If you did not live close enough where we see you, you were a stranger. So that also, it's going to get to the work environment, you know, and you see more and more people that now are, you know, the Friday afternoon, and they go and do, you know, camera and everybody goes and share, you know, a drink or a snack or whatever, and everybody's working remotely and they're just shooting the breeze at the end of the day or at the middle of the day. So as we adapt on those remote things, also we need to understand that the younger generations that are coming also interact completely different with this than us generations who were not initially remote the way we understand on this. Okay. So let's let's take this to the productivity level, which is what are ways in which how do how do we work best remotely? So say that your company has decided that uh you know not the whole company, yeah, let's say it, let's just use the example. 
everybody's going to remote work. They're getting rid of the main office and you are cut loose. You no longer have a desk and uh, you need to now work from somewhere. Uh, you know, as they say at the bar at the end of the evening, uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And <laughs> so you are cut loose from the company's, um, you know, uh, central infrastructure, and you are now made to remote work. You're given the the latitude to work from any. What and how best do you make that happen? I think you need to to almost make a list of all the people who you must keep in contact with in order to maintain your social status, so to speak, building on what Augusto just said, and then figure out a strategy for making sure that you can be in communication with those people, especially the ones who are older, who are used to seeing you and are likely to forget about you when they don't see you. So I think you need a social strategy um, to, to be able to continue to do the work you were doing before. And it's a different strategy than the one you had when you were in the office. And I think on the heels of that, I think responsiveness is actually very key here, which is the responsiveness to messaging within the company itself and to clients for that matter, where like you, you need to make sure that if there isn't a policy about how um, you know, how, how response time should work within and with coworkers, with your management and so on and so forth, you should, you should set, set that standard so that you say to your coworkers, my expectation is to respond back to you within 30 minutes to an hour when you send an email and vice versa, or I check my email three times a day. So if you email me, you know, before 11 a.m., I'm going to respond to you roughly between 10.30 and 11, again, at between 2.30 and 3, and again, right before the close of business. You know, like making sure that people have expectations about how you work, at least with your close, close, you know, coworkers and management, so that people aren't just don't not hear from you, especially when it comes to email or saying, you know what, if this is an issue, then you should, if, if issue A comes up, then you should call me. If issue B comes up, just send me an email because that's not really time sensitive. And if this is, you know, very time sensitive, then you should use Skype or whatever video messaging technology you have in the company and you should immediately video call me so that we can we can deal with this particular issue face to face and i think there there are really good ways to deal with responsiveness and the richness of the media in which you are you are communicating whether it's synchronous or asynchronous uh, communication that is in real time or not in real time communication as well as uh, the uh, you know level at which you have text audio or video to make that kind of, of uh, you know, communication happen? There is a couple of things. One is from the employee perspective, okay, it is to be clear what is expected from you, okay, and how you're going to make sure that, especially when, you know, when you are just, you know, left, let loose, okay, what is the company expecting? And, and as much as I agree on what you're saying from your personal. Sometimes it's better to understand what is the company expectation. Okay, before you go into this is my expectation, is my expectation matching what the company is going to expect? That number one. Number two is, and this is in my opinion, one of the challenges is how can you come now and be more effective than what you were in the office? And Number three is what is the corporation or the company expecting? As, as we were discussing earlier, you know, yeah, there is a lot of people who don't want to go into these contracts anymore that prefer the freelancing. Why? Well, because somebody on the contract came and said, this job required eight hours when a good freelancer may be able to do it on four. Okay. So now... But what is the expectation of? And it is important to understand what is the company looking? Because at the end of the day, we have seen many remote ex experiments going bad, not because the people were not doing their job, but because the corporation didn't understood what they were trying to accomplish. And then they start calling people back. And the reality is after you let the people out of the barn, people don't want to come back in the barn. You know, I... I I had a work with a corporation once who said the problem with, uh, it was talking about sales and we we're talking about project in sales and they were trying to change their outside sales force to inside sales force. And 
the manager was struggling and say, well, the problem is after people, it's been an outside cat, they don't want to come inside. And that is true. And that is the same problem with remote. So it is something that corporations need to think and people need to think. I know few people, okay, who on a real remote environment want to come back to work into the office. What early Francis was describing, in my opinion, is not real remote. That's something else. Um, But in real remote environments, want to come back to the office. And the reality is most of these people are even working harder than what they're working back in the office. The difference is the company now is letting bring what they love about the work to be a reality. And that is the key for that corporation. Are you going to allow your people to go out and work and be passionate about you? Or you are going to build it in a way where I'm going to work work from home, but hate you and leave you on the same first opportunity I have. And that balance is really delicate and complex. Right. right. I, I wanted to cover a couple other things before we close out, which is that you should be mindful of your work routine and your work style. That is, as you approach your remote working environment, you now need to control for your own working style. Are you someone who is very comfortable working in a solitary environment? Are you a collaborative worker? Or uh, as I like to say, I'm a communal worker. I don't want to, I want to work in a space with other people, but I don't really want you to bother me while I'm working. <laughs> and so I want to I want to see people doing things around me because that motivates me to also be productive. And but at the same time, I don't want people interrupting me while I'm trying to do high focused, you know, um, high focused, you know, action based work. And so I, I want to be able to have that that um, environment and um, your equipment really makes a difference how will your company uh, support you technically so that if you have a technology problem uh, how will you as a remote worker get that kind of support so if you're working for a smaller company a small business or maybe a mid-sized business that may not have some of these things figured out you'll probably want to ask management okay well if i'm now taking a company computer home and it's set up in my in my personal space or I have a laptop and I'm out of the cafe and I now can't connect to the company's uh, VPN or or I can't connect a, a database that the company has, how do I get tech support for that? So there needs to be some schema for all the various ways in which if you have a cloud software, you know, maybe there's a cloud support contract for technical support, but maybe there's a an IT person who will be handling other kinds of things. So just making sure that you know how you're going to get supported in those various um in those various areas. And then um, kind of my soapbox is security. How are you going to really deal with the security of all of the parts of your being a part of a company that's now remote? When you're on a Starbucks Wi-Fi network, uh, that is not a secure environment. And so therefore, company data is being transferred over public Wi-Fi. You need to make sure you know how to protect yourself, uh, your own personal data, but also the company's data now, which is being transited over that that network. So talking to your IT, talking to your ownership and management of the company to make sure that these things are being dealt with uh, so that you're not culpable now for having potentially leaked a client database or given up something or or have having had a uh, some kind of malware put onto your computer that then starts to uh, affect the organization so thinking about all of those things client confidentiality you know there, there are just some issues there that need to be dealt with that are that are really a part of productivity right they're they're a part of you being productive but sometimes because the company doesn't have a policy it's not really addressed and you should you should take that uh, lead in addressing it with your uh, management for some of these remote and to combat that we were discussing that solitude you know thing there is and, and we have talked about the platform we even interviewed taylor in here okay there is a platform called focus mate that allows people to connect with somebody remotely on the work okay via the camera and the idea is you go you can introduce yourself or not but basically you work 50 minutes where you're looking at somebody in the camera you can work they cannot see your screen but it feels like you are not working alone in the room i don't i'm the solitude guy i can work no problem but for the people who struggle with that 
that is a fantastic new solution that you can go with somebody that, you know, it gives you that opportunity that you feel you are not working alone anymore. And we will put the link in the show notes. This has been a fun episode, a, a, a hefty discussion. I'm sure we'll have to come back to this topic again because there's so much more to discuss regarding remote work, especially in this this new age of remote work productivity. Uh, if you have a question about what we discussed here on Productivity Cast uh, today regarding remote work, regarding remote work, uh, feel free to uh, leave us a message there at the bottom of the episode page at productivitycast.net. You can go ahead and leave a comment question, and we'll be happy to go ahead and respond to your question there. Also on productivitycast.net, we have a contact form. So you can click on contact and you can either leave us a voice-based message or a written message, and that'll come to us and we can hear, listen, uh, or read and respond to you either offline or here on the podcast. Uh, there on the podcast episode page, you will also find our show notes, which, which includes a transcript, links to anything that we talked about today, and also the transcript links to find any of us if you need to get in touch with one of us. Thanks to Augusto, Francis, and Art for joining me here on this cast. If you could, please leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you leave your uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And so thank you for that. And that brings us to the close of this episode of Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here's to your productive life. Take care, everybody. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.